Welcome everybody to this week's episode of the Compound Trading Podcast. This week I had the privilege of sitting down with Sartaj, who is the main data scientist and the man behind much of what goes on here at Compound Trading. We talk about quite a few different topics and the conversation was ranging and as you will hear, we talked about quite a few things that I am still learning about today. So this is a great time to remind you guys that when we're diving into this world, if you are familiar with the world of logarithms, if you are maybe just getting your feet wet, we do have quite a few different resources here at Compound Trading, and not all of them you actually have to sign up and pay for. So if we're talking about something that interests you, whether that's logarithmic design, or whether that's how to read algorithmic reports, You can visit compoundtrading.com for some free tutorials and some free information and videos. And you can also visit our Discord channel and pick Sartage, his brain, my brain. You can also talk to Kurt and a couple other uh, end users there as well. We'll have links, obviously, in the description for you guys. And before we jump into it, I do want to thank Sartage for his time. This was... uh, actually much longer conversation than I had originally signed him up for. Uh, So it is going to be a two-part conversation, a two-part podcast. This is going to be week one and week two will follow next week. But I do want to thank him again as I uh, told him he should expect about 25 or 30 minutes and we actually went more than double that. So, So without further ado, let's jump on in. All right, and we are jumping right into it with Sartaj, who is the main man behind the scenes here at Compound Trading and steering a lot of what actually happens at Compound Trading. Thanks for taking some time out of your busy schedule, Sartaj, and uh, joining me uh, here on the podcast. Oh, no problem. It's nice to finally be on. (laughs) Definitely. So for those out there who don't know exactly who you are, can you just give us a little bit of background and kind of how you came to be associated with Compound and how you got mixed up in the world of trading and algos and all that kind of fun stuff? For sure. Well, uh, one thing I joke around with is I don't think a kid or any kind of aspiring scientist wakes up one morning dreaming, okay, I want to work in the market. It's not really a childhood dream. I mean, you got your astronauts, you got your cancer biologists and all that. But a little bit about me, uh, I have a general undergraduate education in computer science, and a lot of what I knew about the markets came from studies in uh, data science specifically. So notions like random time series, mean reversions, other types of statistics that uh, one picks up in cancer labs or in any capacity as a research assistant. And uh, my actual dive into this uh, current endeavor came from when I was working for Kurt under contract. It's been about uh, three, four years now that we've been in business together. That was in the oil services industry. Um, He was really big into digital disruption, and we were actually the only firm at the time using drone technology, for example, for risk management and Internet marketing. And uh, his unique perspective on business spoke to my interest in cybernetics management theory and data-driven decision-making and entrepreneurship. So I'm very much from that academic crust. I've been in several different research labs. I've done private research. Uh, a lot of my knowledge base comes strictly from vetted academic literature. Over time, I learned about his background in investment through that business relationship. And we would have some fairly casual conversations about the markets, particularly from a math perspective. So one day he asked me, you know, what's an algorithm? And the rest is kind of history from there. process was like a lot of entrepreneurship, completely organic. As far as Kurt was concerned, that was a lot of layers of discovery he was going through, trying to find edges in his own day trading. 
And a lot of the shape and structure of our conversations were a series of confirmations. So you'd ask me things like, you know, what's rule-based? We'd talk about black box versus white box. Uh, we would talk about what uh, processes were, how things get coded. And uh, that's where I was actually able to bring a formal background to a completely organic process of discovery. And what I found interesting was you could have a day trader in a scenario like that uh, or an investor who didn't necessarily have that background in statistics, but they were definitely applying a lot of the same rules, uh, which um, I end up using in my day-to-day. So that's a bit about me and... Uh, yeah, Here we are. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, kind of a kind of a crazy journey for you. And one thing that you said early on there was, hey, you know, I, I didn't really grow up dreaming of being, uh, you know, involved in the markets, involved with trading. But based on your background, you had kind of the perfect storm to be involved in this type of situation. It seems to me, just listening to what you said, you said I, you know, I was involved in some academia, some computer science background, and also entrepreneurship. And this very much allows you to have freedom in, in all of those ranges. Is that one of the things that kind of drew you to be so heavily involved? Definitely. I saw a lot of very fascinating spaces inside of fintech or financial technology services. We have all these notions like blockchain now, talk about uh, information theory. When I look at a chart, I'm not even looking at dollar versus time uh, or it's, it's incidental that I'm looking at uh, these kind of labels like price discovery, price action, talking about uh, equities versus sector. These, for me, come under a certain ontology or a formal set of objects I can operate in. But a lot of how I actually look at these systems is from a different kind of abstraction layer. And it almost exclusively comes, and a lot of people don't believe me when I have done some charting for them, I tell them right up front, you know, I'm not a trader. What I am is a data scientist. I've got background in cancer biology, a bit of bioinformatics. And a lot of that, a lot of the science, a lot of the code I've seen under the hood with these things, it's all been inherited from very classical systems in the natural sciences. And incidentally, uh, a lot of the uh, discussions I've had in complexity over the years, and specifically the economy, a lot of the discussions they're having right now in academia do regard it as a biological system rather than one where we're just talking about notions like the flow of money, uh, talking about theories from Keynes and such, um, although it does help. But I, I think uh, definitely the challenge kept me in that environment. I, I could be working as a full-stack developer right now, but I think uh, from a purely entrepreneurial or you know, just the challenge of it uh, definitely kept me in this environment, for sure. And that's something that we have seen in this industry for the last, you know, shoot, 20 years or so since someone at Renaissance Technologies, whether it's Ken Griffith or, you know, if we want to go down the laundry list, thought about developing logarithms for trading and these computer systems. So is that something that you had seen other people also make a similar transition and said, hey, well, I'm not only going to go necessarily where the money is, because as we know, there's a lot of money in financial markets and there might be more money in financial markets than, say, in, in cancer development or cancer research, as right or wrong that that may be. Is that something that you kind of followed and said, if all these people are doing it and if this 
task and this challenge is so high, then maybe I can go to almost the ultimate playing field and where I can then go develop my my theories and my knowledge base to the nth degree. Is that also kind of played in there as you can continue to develop and you kind of have a limitless scope of things that you can work on within those financial markets? Well, that's definitely something I'm discovering now. But like a lot of academics or uh, people who came out of my situation, I was definitely in an echo chamber. A lot of the systems I saw, especially in the financial markets, it did come out of light research. It's always kind of curious to me looking into things like dark pools, high-frequency trading, a lot of the popular culture around that. And, I mean, I did uh, know some people who were definitely working with Bloomberg Terminal who were kind of, they were always doing case competitions and such. But what I found with um, a lot of the people in that finance-related stream is uh, they definitely brought systems of um, macroeconomics or they would discuss a lot of... Um, a lot of these structural theories regarding the markets rather than a purely quantitative one. So it wasn't until I did learn about these names like uh, Jim Simons, Ken Griffiths, and so on, where I was able to follow a few rabbit trails. And I'm finding that a lot of the scientists I speak to now, I wouldn't have met them uh, unless I was actually in that environment. So again, a lot of this was completely organic, uh, almost a little bit of luck that I was able to meet some of these people. Because all things considered, I find... uh, well, your your mold of a typical data scientist or what I'm noticing is it attracts a lot of uh, introverts. And uh, unless you get that kind of one-off who might be a nuclear scientist or an engineer working for a hedge fund or so, they're definitely just putting their head down. And I, I wouldn't say they're very pedestrian. I, I couldn't go to a department tomorrow. Maybe I could find a professor or two who's working in econometrics or quantitative finance, but... As far as uh, private sector goes, well, it's definitely private. Uh, we're talking about hedge funds who are, you know, they have entire teams for protecting their edge. And that's the uh, notion when I do get peaks from people in uh, retail spaces for uh, data providing services like this one. Um, they're definitely, uh, it's definitely a quiet marketplace. So what I hear you saying is there's not necessarily a lot of collaboration between, obviously, these different groups, um, but even on the research or the theoretical side. You know, obviously, if you are a Renaissance trading, you do want to keep your secrets. You want to keep your edge. You want to keep offering those 50, 100% returns to your investment pool without sacrificing any of that. But coming from academia, and you obviously have kind of a fresh approach starting from the ground up, which is very interesting, it sounds like you found that really outside of these, for lack of a better word, kind of secret fraternities within your Renaissance trainings or whatever, there wasn't really a lot of knowledge base and there wasn't really a huge effort to develop those theories and a new knowledge base if you weren't getting paid, you know, a million dollars a year. Is that kind of what you found? That's what I'm finding. In fact, going back to an earlier point, uh, you look at a situation like Santa Fe Institute, uh, it was only incidental that you had these environments where an economist might come in and uh, they might have had some background in quantitative finance, but their general theory that they brought to the market, at least the people I've met, it's usually regarding structure. They're talking about fundamentals a lot. And until they were actually in that fraternity or environment where they started meeting people outside of that field, let's say a cancer biologist, a geneticist, 
I didn't really see a lot of that process of academic discovery, at least inside the university. And uh, at that point, we're talking about Harvard's even. Uh, you look at systems like Quantopian, for example, and they're not sharing a paper from economy or quantitative finance per se. Uh, usually, the algorithms are developing those kind of environments on the back end. They're discussing research papers from medical journals, surprisingly. I have not seen a lot of journals in the finance space or uh, anything in the general theory of entrepreneurship by any means. Uh, I have no doubt they're out there, but as far as uh, this process of algorithmics go, as far as a general theory, uh, you kind of get this counter result where the economist is bringing definitely a general structure to these data-driven approaches, but I don't think that the universities uh, specifically have postured even their MBAs to come into the markets with a strong foundation and statistics or the kind of quants you necessarily need. Now, you know, things are changing. There's a lot of uh, undergrads I've spoken to in this environment, and they're definitely electives now where the university is talking about econometrics. They're talking about quantitative finance. Uh, some are even talking about data systems from the natural sciences at this point but it's still very much on the fringes. And do you think that is because, you know, we're dealing with somewhat of a new science and a new technology? And I say that kind of in quotes because obviously this isn't brand new and people have been using logarithms and rules-based trading and that kind of stuff for the last 20 to 30 years. Absolutely. But do you think that is because there's just not enough information out there? Or do you think it's because it's such a quickly changing environment that even if a, a Harvard or an MIT or a NYU said, we're going to now develop a course for this, by the time that that student finished his four, six, eight years in that coursework, by the time he actually made it to market, it just would be almost irrelevant. What he learned two years ago just would not be a factor anymore. Um, do you think it's because those barriers entry are too high that they just are not willing to go through that whole uh, coursework and the course load because it's going to be irrelevant by the time they actually put it into use? Absolutely. But then I must return here to a notion of a certain abstraction layer. And what I am noticing and what's gained a lot of popularity in at least the universities are uh, master classes or seminar style lectures where you do have these very niche-specific researchers in emerging fields where they'll have a master class for grad students running for a week or two, um, or they'll cram it all into 48 to 72 hours. Uh, we got uh, people here, for example, at University of Toronto, who do that very thing. Uh, but returning to that notion of the abstraction layer, again, and it does sound like a very counterintuitive result, but they're tackling these. And where I think the difficulty is, is when they're designing their curriculums, uh, or at least when they're running a research program, when we're discussing about the objective nature of which path to follow, uh, we're not talking about Keynes, Mises, or any of these titans anymore of economics. Now we're talking about theories and calculus. We're talking about theories and statistics. We're talking about these very ancient modes or vehicles for developing uh, 
even rules-based trading, which kind of come outside or you can definitely implement them in the markets, but they definitely come outside of that scope. And then all of a sudden, you're not talking about a business school anymore. You're talking about a math department. And be that as it may, I, I mean, a typical business education, whether it's in finance, entrepreneurship, or so, you do get that view of mathematics. But when you're talking about bringing computing, when you're talking about information theory, or bringing that full gamut of math into the market specifically, and, and this is just my opinion, take it for what you will, but you're not talking about a business school anymore. I think there's a very stark contrast. And moreover, uh, you're not talking just about economics as a fleshed out field where we can talk about things like supply and demand. Now we're going into things like derivatives. We're talking about simple statistics. We're talking about machine learning. And while all of that might be a very kind of abstract notion and a very old one, I think when you're talking about the finance field specifically or returning to your question about the structure of how we actually implement this into a business education, there definitely are far too many changes going on. I mean, these things, even inside inside of algo development, uh, often these things just have a six-month life cycle. But I wouldn't say that this betrays the meaning or the purpose in learning from a purely abstract or mathematical perspective. I think that's a lot more timeless and there's definitely uses for it. But if you're talking just about the economy and how we're supposed to reason out the structure of the economy or even having a debate like whether the markets themselves represent or index the economy, uh, being able to implement or action a change based on those conversations in a finance-related or a business environment, I think that does become very difficult for you to carry forward with you after you've done a four-year undergrad or have your MBA in hand. And to add one layer deeper and something that you touched on briefly there is now we have AI and machine learning becoming even more a part of the algos. And so if we're talking, you know, I can certainly echo your sentiments on business school as someone who did go to business school and took plenty of finance classes in my finance degree. You know, we did some statistics, we did some derivatives, but that in no way prepares you for real trading, first and foremost, or even anything that has to do with an algorithm, because if you put me behind a computer and you know, to uh, tell me to develop an algorithm or even give you the basics. You know, I, I don't have any clue based off of that traditional knowledge. It's only until I actually got into the market and talked with people like yourself and actually did some investigation on my own that I kind of started to understand exactly what was going on behind the scenes. So do you think that next step then is to then say, let's let's kind of leave business school by itself in that academia environment, but let's target the AI developers because that's where this is headed and that's who are better suited to actually developing proficient algos for the market? Well, I got to tell you, it's, it ha- it's going to have to be both, uh, especially in um, some of our public-facing environments. I'm talking right now with full-stack engineers who have experience in AI programming and now with the crypto revolution, uh, they're getting into the markets. And this is their first time in the markets. But like anything, their first inclination, whether it's 
finance, whether they were going to be running something in genetics, uh, whether it's an e-commerce, their approach or their tool set, I think whether you're talking about AI or machine learning or bringing any kind of traditional algo model to the markets, it's really it's a far cry unless it's an exceptionally talented or kind of well-versed fundamentals guy on top of that, uh, on top of their full-stack engineering experience, I think it's going to be necessary for them to enter into these kind of partnerships with people in your category, with actual traders, with economists, with people working in econometrics, in financial technology spaces, what have you. Uh, I, I don't think that a full-stack engineer or an AI developer alone could ever, no, let, let alone the compliance requirements, there's just way too much going on about the economy and the market specifically as a system where you can't just say, okay, make me an AI. Well, what does that look like? What am I targeting? What are my metrics? If you treat it as a computing problem, yes, you'll eventually get there, but that process of discovery of actually accelerating your returns on building an effective AI that understands the imperatives of a real trader and can mimic them, that's a whole other discussion. And in my mind, the way I see that happening uh, is going to be through these partnerships. So what we've been talking about, and you know, as I just said, I'm, I'm still learning as I don't come from a background quite like yourself, but it seems like there are some pretty big challenges and some pretty big barriers to entry if someone set out and said, okay, this is where I see this landscape shifting. I now need to develop an algo to help me trade oil or to help me trade the S&P or the ES or to help me trade gold or what, what have you. So do you, do you see these barriers to entry getting easier or getting harder? Do you think this mountain's going to get steeper and larger to climb the longer we wait? Do you think there's going to be more technology and more data scientists and more PhDs involved, thus making it harder the longer we wait to actually get on board with this? Well, there's some good news here and some bad news. I'll try to come up with a middle ground here. Any process of development, whether you're building a house, anything like that, but especially in the markets, you do require a high degree of dynamism and adaptability. Lately, for example, speaking on oil, uh, we've been seeing a lot of compression specific to the algo models. And there's always cases where you might find an observation that goes against a general rule you might have had on paper. Or let's say uh, you did a bit of research on Wikipedia or opened up a math textbook, got a model together, a couple of rules. That's all fine and good. But now you have a change in the system and all of a sudden you have to account for it. And that's the very essence of science at its core. It's, it's falsifiability. And without that dynamism, you're probably doing something incorrectly as a developer. But that's not necessarily a daily thing. There's definitely these definite market structures at work. Talking about quantitative easing, for example, which, you know, it's been almost a decade. Will that change tomorrow? I think that's where you get this kind of contention or that open question that's split between fundamentals and technician people. But what I do know is um, that we do operate under certain playbooks and the language everyone speaks probably won't change tomorrow, but it's very kind of medium term. And that process of discovery of actually staying on top of a good algo, it's one thing to learn charting, learn when ascending wedges, trend lines, support and resistance. I'll teach you on a weekend, right? That's not the terrible challenge. The challenge is in actually coming up with an effective algo 
and part of that does require an ongoing process of discovery. And that's why where you get your stats from, I think 93% of traders lose. I have no doubt many of them might be good at charting or even have an intricate understanding, but even people in that category constantly have to reinvent themselves. But I, I think the good news is that uh, we are in a position now where you can surround yourself with the correct resources. I mean, we all have these, uh, we have access to social media, open chat rooms where you can talk to other developers and put yourself, especially into an environment where you're open to criticism. I've seen people get insulted because they were told their charting was wrong, for example. And none of this is personal at the end of the day. It's about making a strong foundation. But the reality is uh, making that sausage is uh, pretty hard. It is a journey. And just being aware of algos, you might get an idea of what you're competing against. Uh, but at minimum, if whether you're new to the markets or if you're not a scientist yourself, you should at least know the language you're speaking. Uh, there's definitely a certain toolkit or vocabulary you should have already getting into investing, uh, particularly if you want to get into something like a market data subscription or someone's newsletter service or algo model. Um, just knowing what you're buying can be a bit of a process. And there's definitely, whether it's guides out there or open resources, completely open resources, it's all available out there. Uh, and so that's kind of the positive side of the coin. Um, but I wouldn't go into this completely blind. And in light of what you had mentioned, what I am noticing is, especially with how quickly these things accelerate, uh, you're only going to see more of these PhD types coming on board. Uh, I haven't seen that trend slowing down at all. And we're not going to wait up. It's one thing for us to be in an environment, if they're even accessible, for us to share knowledge, answer questions, put each other under scrutiny. But that process of hand-holding, it was never there in the markets to begin with. And given how tough trading is, not even a result of fundamentals, geopolitics or whatever, but I'm talking about a scientist looking at their chart, they're looking at their model, they see compression, and these are very real examples. This is a problem we're facing right now. For us to spend a full work week on that and then try to be your guru or guide you through the process of putting that work together, I think that's a very far cry. So if that's only going to be increasing, well, you can imagine someone who's got a track record of academic papers under their name who came out from other types of private industry or government consulting can you even access them at that level? I'm not sure. Um, but again, good news. Uh, you know, we, we do have YouTube now, Wikipedia, a lot of these uh, textbooks or a lot of the lingo. You can definitely find this stuff. It's all out there. But there is a barrier to entry for sure, just in terms of actually networking with people. And at minimum, I would say learn the language and learn the language very quickly. I found that um, there was no way especially inside of that first year coming into the markets as a newcomer, uh, I had to learn that language very quickly, very quickly. And after that, uh, I, I can say that there is a certain level of smooth sailing after that. But again, very dynamic. Be prepared to, be prepared to evolve. 